0: Snuff Production. Good morning sports fans and welcome to the number one daily sports news podcast in the country, The Scorecard. I'm Brett Thomas and this is your fast fun hit of sport for Tuesday, July 25. Today, England's Ashes Amnesia, a double blow for the AFL's improving blues and are there double standards at the NRL judiciary? But first... It's the most talked about calf in the country. The Matildas went to great lengths to keep Sam Kerr's injury a secret until kick-off against Ireland. The day before, she fronted a press conference with coach Tony Gustafsson, both knowing full well she wouldn't face the Irish. Fair play. I mean, why reveal your best player won't be out there when there's no doubt all of the Irish planning would have been how to stop Sam from scoring? I know your secret. The official line from the Matildas camp, a calf injury, full extent unknown. But Kerr would miss the first two group games before being reassessed for the final clash with Canada. Reassess doesn't fill you with a tremendous amount of hope, especially when there's only 10 days between when the setback happened to that match with Canada. I was sent out in my other role as a sport reporter in Brisbane to the Matildas team hotel last Friday and saw Kerr limping into their base, looking very uncomfortable and very much unlikely, I would think, to play at least until the knockout rounds fingers crossed. While a teammate may have let it slip just how bad the injury actually is, midfielder Kyra Cooney-Cross responded to a question about whether that will keep her out of the entire tournament. It's unfortunate that Sam tore a calf for the game, but I think we're just focusing on Nigeria. Sam's doing her own thing to get back as quick as possible. Football Australia insists Kerr hasn't torn her calf, that it was a slip of the tongue from her young, nervous teammate. Now, a word on another issue from the Matildas win last Thursday. Channel 7 commentator David Bashir is one of the most respected and well-researched football commentators not just in this country, but this world. He's also been a champion of the women's game and a very selfless person. He offered to share his notes when I interviewed him many years ago about the Socceroos facing Iraq in an Asian Cup game. Now, he remarked during the match against Ireland about midfielder Katrina Gorry that certainly motherhood has not blunted her competitive instincts, that's for sure. Predictably, some factions of Twitter blew up and it became a thing. Those that were outraged, predictably, are the type that also have never or will never actually tweet about the game itself. While it may have seemed like a backhanded compliment in a way, it certainly didn't deserve what followed. The only response we need to this is from the Matilda star herself. I actually haven't seen it. I've... I've heard about it. I don't know. I don't take things like that too personally. I don't really look at it as, you know, a a negative compliment or whatever. I just, yeah, I don't really look at things like that, but yeah, I can see how it got taken the wrong way. Piers Morgan, the outspoken television host with an unusual obsession with Meghan Markle, one that prompted him to quit as host of Good Morning Britain, also has an unhealthy obsession with winding up Aussie cricket fans. He's been in a back-and-forth all-ashes with Merv Hughes, who refuses to appear on his show, and after Australia retained the urn thanks to the rain in Manchester, tweeted... Has there ever been a less deserved retention of the Ashes? From the Bairstow debacle to this rain-soaked fiasco, it's an absolute farce that smirking Australia have ended up with the urn still in their hands. Get your hand off it, there. Now, normally I try to ignore Piers and put it down to his vain attempt to get under our skin, but it does seem to represent a kind of smugness from the England camp. Take these blunt responses from captain Ben Stokes about the fact everyone seems to have forgotten that Australia won the first two tests. Does it cause you to look back at earlier in the series and and analyse deeper how and and why you went 2-0 down? No. Any lingering regrets over that first game in particular at Edgbaston which you could have easily turned around? No. Is it a disappointment that you found yourselves 2-0 down in the first place and left yourself such a big job over the last three tests? No, not really. And when you look at the situation in Manchester, it was known as the test was starting that the match would likely be cut down by rain. So what happened to England's sporting declarations as part of baseball? to keep a test alive. It could have stopped short its first innings when it plundered 592 and forced Australia back to the crease earlier when clearly we're under pressure. There's only one way to shut up Piers and those whinging poms and that's win the fifth test at the Oval without any sort of drama starting Thursday night and walk away with the urn and our first series win in England since 2001. Now Carlton's gone from big improver to basket case, back into finals contention. They find themselves in the eight on a five match winning streak. Before that, they'd lost six in a row. Friday night, they face the Red Hot Pies who are heading toward the minor premiership and have emerged as the best team in the AFL at the moment. Unfortunately for Carlton, they'll be without two of their key troops. Sam Walsh, the midfielder, has been ruled out for two to three weeks with a hammy strain, while Jack Silvani's knee injury will keep him sidelined for an unknown time frame. In some better news, though, the skipper Paddy Cripps, who was rested against the Eagles, and Jack Martin are likely to return. Now, in the midst of that six-game losing streak, they were beaten by the Pies handily by the best part of five goals. This is a huge rivalry, dating all the way back to the start of the VFL competition, to the grand finals they've played against each other. they rolling towards the boundary line, and Holmes almost makes ground, he taps it, back the Sheldon, and that's a goal! Former Blue and former Pie Dale Thomas, the only player to have played 100 games for both clubs, thinks that Carlton didn't take that rivalry seriously enough when they met earlier in the year. He told listeners Footy Talk, it means more than other home and away games. Carlton missed a trick earlier on in the year when this game came up. I think they just treated it like a normal game. They went out, they played nice, and they were five goals down in the blink of an eye. This needs to be given the respect in terms of preparation that it is and what it deserves. You need to get yourself in a hyped-up state. Yep. Abusing referees has become a big talking point in the NRL after Broncos star Rhys Walsh copped a three-game ban for his outburst at a referee, which was well-deserved, I might add. It was farcical that he went to the judiciary, continuing the lie that his outburst was actually directed at his teammate, Pat Carrigan. Shark star Nico Hines found himself in the firing line on Sunday when he held up three fingers directed at touch judge Belinda Sharp. He was pulled aside by the officiating referee and told to call his jets. Now, it wasn't known what was said at the time, but after an NRL investigation found he had no case to answer because no offensive language has been used. Broncos legend Gordon Tellis telling listeners Footy Talk, there's double standards at play here. Reese Walsh, if they're consistent, no one knew whether he was talking to Patrick Carrigan. It took four hours. But you knew who Nico Hines was talking to. So there's the inconsistency with the fan. I do think, though, that if the touchy didn't actually hear any offensive language and none was spoken, then Hines and that incident with Reese Walsh are comparable. If you're listening via Spotify, another reminder, hit that bell so you don't miss the ep every morning. And that's your fast fun hit of sport. Catch you tomorrow on The Scorecard. Listener.